The Milwaukee Bucks are winning the championship this season. Wow, when I look at Andrew Wiggins, I'm like, wow, I wish I wish I had him on my team instead of Siakam. If we really want to win a championship, I think we should flip Fred for a pick and let Larry walk. Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome to the very first episode of Hall of Takes podcast. I'm your host. I go by the name of Namir, and we have our very first guest, OG the Clamp God, aka OG the Clamp God on Twitter. I do want to say I have a bit of a cold. If my nose sounds stuffy, just allow me. We're trying to get through this and give some fire content to you guys. So introduce yourself, homie. I'm gonna let you do that. You're you're a very very special person. So I'm gonna let you introduce yourself, actually. I was so sentimental. Thank you so much. That you're was welcome. like heartwarming. This guy said I'm a special guy. I uh, wow. Wow, but uh, nah, bro, I mean, like you said, you know, this is OG the Clamp God, um, notorious Twitter user. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, damn, I don't know what, I'm, I'm really, like, shy right now. I don't know what to do. I'm usually such a talker, and, like, this it's is our first pod. It feels a little weird, right? I know. This, bro, this is, this is my first time ever doing something like this. And you know what's the crazy part? Me doing this? I've never listened to a podcast in my life. Like, I've never sat down and went through a whole podcast. Never have done this. So this is like, wow, how ironic. So well, I'm man, Let's see if we people make history, want to see if people actually... Yeah, man, hey, if people <laughs> want to listen to me scream into the void and just, you know, utter nonsense, more power to them. More power to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to dive right into it? I'm ready to dive right into it. I'm ready, man. I've been ready. All right, let's do this. Okay, seriously. Before the season started, before you found out that we have to go to Tampa and play the season out of Tampa, what was your realistic expectation of 2021? I mean, depending depending on like what point in time prior to the season, it all changed. I'd say, um, for the most part, I expected a playoff berth. I wasn't thinking, like, when, especially when Serge and Mark both left, I wasn't expecting anything like, okay, we're not going to be a dominant team. But I was thinking, given like we still have a good amount of our core, we signed Aaron Baines at the time, which in hindsight, oh brother, what a super stink! Like, what a we'll, we'll stinky signing! We'll get to that. Oh yeah, we will. We all oh, trust we will. Um, I, I had higher hopes. I I figured we retained majority of the core. We signed a big that you know prior to this season look actually looked like he was relatively serviceable, and you know I was thinking like a fifth seed. And then I was obviously, you know, three games into the season, I just said, yeah, fuck this, man. <laughs> so we're done out here. But, um, yeah, man, I, I, I mean, you can see my pinned tweet. I, I had Pascal, you know, my hot take was Pascal finishing top five in MVP voting. So, yeah, that I don't really need to explain how that went. I saw how that. That's it has, so far. It how many likes yeah. do you have on that? I mean, not that many. Like, I'd say maybe like 300 or something like that. But you're I mean, getting a lot of lash for that, bro. People are coming at you. Okay. I saw it. Yeah, yeah, they are. So, yeah. But um, totally off topic there. But, yeah, man, I think just prior to the season started, I wasn't expecting something incredible, but I was expecting like a playoff berth. But then obviously when we seen the roster actually out there playing, um, that super slow start with Siakam, um, Baines just being Baines, and... Overall, just it just seems like our roster is just not gelled well, and there's just a lot of missing pieces and a lot of like inconsistency on both ends. There is. So, yeah. So I, I yeah, man. Like I said, I was thinking maybe fifth seed, 
six seed, and then yeah, that's just gone to shit. So <laughs> I tell you, bro. Like a lot of people were just super excited that you know season was just back on. We're playing ball again. Obviously, seeing Mark and Serge go was really tough because the season before that, Kawhi and Danny Green yeah. left. It's like that's like four mans off of our team. But yeah, we made a big trade. Norman Powell is no longer with the Raptors. We got Gay Tran Jr. and Rodney Hood. But the main piece yeah. of the trade was Gay Tran Jr., a.k.a. My Gay guy. Tran Jr. the second. Not the second. Sorry. My bad. My bad, Gay Trent. Don't come at me, bro. I didn't mean to disrespect you like that. <laughs> He's the junior. His dad played for us. I thought it was pretty crazy that both of it, both his dad and him had the same trajectory in his in their career so far, starting out in Portland and then getting traded to Toronto. And obviously, being the Canadians that we are, we look at that and we're like, shit, this is meant to be. But how are we liking him so far? And what do we really want to see him improve on during the offseason? What do you think? Before we go into that, adding on to what you're saying about yeah. how crazy it is in terms of his dad being a Raptor, not only did his dad play for Portland and get traded to the Raptors, his dad got traded to Portland in his third season, like 41 games into the season, exactly like Gary. Like It's actually really spooky how perfectly the same it is. Masai's like, like plan. Oh, yeah, Masai's uh, plan. Bro, you, you see it. You see it, fam. I knew, you, I knew you'd understand. But like... um. No, man, honestly, I'm super happy right now with Gary Trent. I mean, I always liked him. I'll be fair with you. I'll be real with you. I didn't know too much about him, but from what I've seen, especially in the bubble, this past bubble, he was cooking, man. Yeah. He was really cooking. Yeah, he was dominating there. He was putting up like 17 a game on 51% shooting, and he was coming off the bench. So it's like, this guy was just cooking, guys. I didn't like him. And this season, I mean, it's just... You didn't like him. Well, how come? It's not that I like him as a player. It's like, you know, the one of those players you see on the opposing team and you're like, I don't fucking like that guy. Because he's one of those players that'll probably <laughs> go off like for like 30, 40 points against the Raptors, like those random ones from other teams. Because he wasn't really getting a lot of minutes, right? Because mm-hmm. of everyone that's ahead of him in the roster. But then he comes out of nowhere and then the bubble, he was showing yeah. off. So I'm like, yo, he's not on my team. I don't like him. But now he's on my team. I'm like, yo, I fucking like this guy. I'm a root for him. Yeah, and like, honestly, the bubble definitely helped him too. Because, I mean, like prior to the bubble, I think he was putting up like nine points a game, eight points a game last year, if I remember correctly. It wasn't like yeah. he made a jump from his rookie year, but it wasn't like anything like, whoa. And then the bubble happened, and then he like basically doubled his production like from then, like from the regular season prior to the shutdown to the bubble. And now he's averaging um, like 15 a game. So it's like, yo, this guy's really improving. And I won't lie, like he definitely was under the radar for me because – you know, when he obviously was traded, you know, obviously wanted to read up on him a little more, watch some more tape. And, like, I'm reading up on that. Like, this guy was the third leading scorer of, for the for the, um, for the the Trailblazers, if I remember collect correctly. If he wasn't the third leading, he was up yeah. there. And it's like, again, this guy's coming off the bench. He's shooting seven threes a game at 39%. Like, he's doing high volume at an elite level. And I'm like, oh, so that right there for me jumped out right away, like, I didn't even need to watch any highlights. I just thought, okay, he's taking seven threes a game. He's hitting almost 40%. Okay, so not much to not like there. But like going back to what you're asking about, like what, like what do I, I guess, like so far? Bro, uh, the number one thing I think I love so far, and this may seem really stupid, it's not actually not even so much the basketball side of it. It's more just his em- how he's embracing the, the city, organization, and the, organization and the city yeah. it's like and that's what i mean it's it's good to see because like man like i know every raptors can fan can feel this whether you're younger or older but especially i feel like if you're on the older uh, and like you know like i'm when i'm 25 
you know, so I feel like in like older fans, you know how a lot of these guys were feeling when they get traded to Toronto. It's like end of the world for them. So yeah. like to see now this narrative is definitely changing that like young guys are like ecstatic to be with us and they're embracing it and they're loving it. That's, that's good to see, man. Like you'd love to see that because like for the longest time, the biggest joke for the Raptors was no one wants to be here. Everyone hates Toronto, Canada, shit, whatever, whatever. And like, you know what? I'm sure there's still some guys who feel that way. But it's definitely, you know, you're, we're seeing a decrease in that. So I love the fact that he's embracing the city, embracing the fans, embracing the organization. But what I'm liking the most, I mean, man, his, his scoring ability, like, I mean, his willingness to take those shots, to look for his, to get those buckets. I mean, whether it's, you know, catch and shoot off the ball or even just like, you know, pull up threes. I mean, right now, you obviously can see the three point is like his strong suit in this game. And he, I mean, like I said, man, he, his like sort of his um, efficiency and volume, it's not really decreasing. Like I'm sure it's gone down a bit, but I mean, that's a given, you know, you're on a new team, new system, new schemes, you got to learn. You and you kind of have to earn your sort of spot. I mean, like, I feel like the Raptors, especially the type of organization we are, especially after that championship, you know, like it's, it's no longer like some, like you just can walk in here and get whatever you want. It's like, uh, nah, you have to earn it. You gotta earn yours, and I feel like he's really sort of earning it, and he's showing like I belong here. I can hang with you guys, and I I embody what it is this organization wants in their players. So you can see that like I'm loving what I'm seeing so far, and I guess in regards to what I want him to improve on this summer. Let me just add on um, to that though. Let me just add on to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. My bad. Yeah, my bad. No, my, no, my, no, you're good. You're good. About, what what I love about Gary Trent man is like. This guy doesn't give a fuck. He'll miss 10 shots in a row. He'll still pick mm-hmm. up the ball and shoot it. Like what? When he hit that buzzer beater, he was having a bad game. I think no, he only ended yeah, with like 16 points, had 13 before yeah, the buzzer he, beater. He, he, I, yeah, he had like, it was something like that. Something like, you know, he finished the game with like uh, 16 points on 15 shots. So it was like high volume, wasn't the most efficient in that sense. But it's like, at the end of the day, who really cares? You got the game winner. No one's going to remember how many shots it took you to get to 16. Everyone's going to remember you hit the game winner. You hit the game winner. So that's why I was asking the question, what do you think he needs to improve on to be one of the top two or top three guys on the team scoring-wise? See, for me, I don't know if he's going to be a top three option on the team like this coming season. It all depends really on his like what he does in the offseason to expand his game. My biggest criticisms of him is like, kind of similar to Fred and even Norm. You know, before it's like the he can get a bit of tunnel vision. He's got the blinders sometimes. Like you can see, and like to an extent, that's not a problem because you know what, he is a scorer, and like I, I like the fact that he scores, and he's one of our better scorers, I'd say. So seeing that, on one hand, okay, yeah, scoring's your thing, man. Like you're a two way player. You don't rebound at a high level. You don't. You definitely don't like play make at a high level. He, that's the biggest thing. He needs like, especially as a two guard. Like I'm not expecting him to be dishing out like you know eight seven eight assists like a lead guard but you know i'd imagine the norm usually is that a two guard can be like a secondary ball handler right so for him and i and i guess even with this lineup you know pascal being a point forward i mean he's putting up five a game in terms of assists you know fred's putting up six assists like just like six and a half i'm not expecting him to be like a guy that's going to be dishing out a lot but i mean like bro like three assists three and a half like you know like i'm not expecting anything <laughs> crazy but like you want to see him if, if he's going to grow as a player he is going to have to learn to pick and choose when to get his 
and when to try and get someone else involved. And I still think he can do that because I'm not expecting him to like do like a 50-50. Like, you know, you don't have to make it like equally look for your shot, equally look for someone else. Because at the end of the day, your primary, you know, sort of role, I would imagine, going forward, score. Go score, man. Like, that's what you're good at. You're already good at it right now. You are an elite three-point shooter. You have a pull-up mid-range. Um, I want to see him be able to drive better, you know, get to the basket a bit better, and that's going to come with working on a handle, which is something else I would like to see him work on. But, you know, and I feel like that, you know, the ability to work on your handle, drive to the basket, and obviously apply some rim pressure will make him probably get more assists because if he's able to have the defenses collapse on him as he attacks, he can probably kick out an open shooter. And, like, that's just going to make his game better because then they're going to have to respect the fact that this guy has the ability or is willing to look for his guys. He's not always just going to have the blinders go for a shot, even if it's not the best shot or a great shot or even a good shot. So I'd say probably working on the handle and just kind of working on the ability to just, you know, get some looks for you guys, you know, like find some of your open guys. But um, again, like, He's 23 or 22. He's a young guy. Given he's what he's already guy. doing yeah. right. He is a, he's a young guy. Man. A he's a young guy. He's in his third year. Yeah, he's got a lot of time. He's in his third year in the season. And the third uh, season in his career. Like, for a, for a guy as young as he is, to already have, like, you know, almost three seasons under your belt. And you've been playing around some great players, especially some great guards. Hall you know, of Famers, been, bro. He, exactly. You've been playing with Dame and playing with CJ. And now you're playing with Lowry. You're playing with uh, Fred Van Vliet. Like, these are guys that you can learn a lot from. You know, like with CJ and Dame, I feel like that's a lot. Like, he'll probably absorb a lot of the offensive side of things. You know, learning, you know, maybe how to get to your spots. How to, like, you know, absorb contact and get to the basket better. And maybe, you know, look, you know, draw some fouls. Um, And even, like, you know, working on the handle. I'm sure that probably helps you with those guys. Because they're a lot more. Those two are definitely more offensive-oriented, you know, you don't hear anyone talk about Dame's two-way ability you or don't. CJ's two-way Their ability. Those guys are, yeah, those guys are bucket getters. They're shot creators. They're some of the best offensive players this league has to offer. Now you're going to the Raptors, and it's a totally different sort of culture where, like, it's defense first, defensive-minded. We are all about locking guys down, and you have arguably, if not the best defensive backcourt in the NBA when healthy, one of the best defensive backcourts in the NBA when healthy with Lowry. And Van Vliet. And he's already, you know, Gary's already a great defender. I mean, he's a better defender than Norm is, and he's five years younger. Now you're putting him around two elite defenders at the guard position as well, who can still obviously teach him things about, you know, on the offensive end, but it's like he's absorbing a lot. He's had a lot of good sort of uh, mentors or play guys that he can grow and learn from. Like, I- I'm excited to see what he can become, man, because, like, the, I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar or anything like that, but I mean, if he increases his shot, like if his shot making ability, shot creating ability, I should say, yeah, kind of gets better and he's more able to like, if I can give Gary Trent the ball and he can make something happen and get me a bucket, I mean, bro, like, you know, that's who, a big dub. Who knows what he could easily be an all star. He could easily be an all star in the East. Definitely. Especially in the East, yeah. yeah. Especially in the East. I, I know the, the guard spot is obviously a really heavy West or East. But, I mean, you know, a lot of these guards right now, they're aging. You know what but I'm look, talking about? Like... We, we all know some of the storylines too, right? Like, look at Zach Levine. Had a crazy mm-hmm. year with the Bulls. And I believe it was his first All-Star this year? Yeah. Yeah, that could happen to Gary Trent too. Going off, maybe not next season, but the season after, right? 
Because we still don't know what's going to happen with Fred and Siakam for the next two to three years. Because we want them around. We love those guys. We have them locked in. Of course. So, So do you think a trade for Fred or Siakam is realistic within the next two to three years? See, man, I, 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 I do. I really do think it's realistic. I don't think it's for sure going to happen, but I do think it's realistic. And I put this out on Twitter before because I was thinking about this. And I was thinking about it because, like, you know, with the whole Gary Trent acquisition, um, you know, this whole partnership with OG that we're, you know, this wing duo now that we have for the future because, like, that's a, that's a good young wing duo. I mean, these are two really good two-way players that have high upside. So... You know, you, you, you have to think for the future in a sense. So the way I look at it, and the re- my whole reasoning behind it was, okay, look, I think there's only two ways, or one way really, that we see Fred Van Vliet, Siakam, still on this team with a superstar. And that's if we draft one. If we get the number one pick, let's say, and we draft Cade, and Cade becomes what he more than likely will become, those two will probably stay. However, you know, it's, it's always a gamble. And if you want to trade for a superstar, one of those two guys is 100% going to be included. One of them is definitely gone. You're not getting a superstar. I mean, think about it. Do you, let me ask you. Do you consider Bradley Beal a superstar in this league? I do not. I don't either. He's a he's an all-star. He's a great player. He's a great guard. He's one, he's one of the best scorers in the league. Easily. But if we... Yeah. And if we wanted to trade for him, hypothetically... You know for a fact they're going to want one of Fred Van Vliet and uh, Siakam. They're going to want one. And they're going to want probably another guy too, if not more. They're gonna, you, you know that they're going to try and get OG. But, you know, that's my point. If we can't get a guy like Bradley Beal, who is like a perennial all-star, all-star caliber player, without giving up one of these guys, you sure as hell aren't getting a superstar without giving up one of them. 100%. So. The, tr- the trade aspect is out the window. And then when you start looking at just developing this team, um, you know, let's say, for example, we get a wing. If we get a wing in this draft, like if we get Keon Johnson or Zaire Williams, who are two guys I, I personally, given like where it looks like we might fall more than likely, like if we fall in the seven to nine range, seven, I think Kristen will probably be in the six to eight range more than likely at this rate. Unless obviously, you know, we win the lottery. But for argument's sake, if we stay in that range, I want Keon or, Z- or Zaire. I want one of those two because they're both really good wing players with Zaire having the ability to be a four because of his size. He's six foot eight, obviously needs more weight, but whatever you have. The, we, those are two really, really good wing um, players that have really high upside. So if we were to get one of them, let's say, then what's our future going to look like? And it also depends on that. And what's going to happen with this with Malachi? Is Malachi because he's Malachi a good playmaker, a, and I think he can really develop into a nice playmaker in the NBA. Like he's already handling the offense a lot better than Fred. No offense to Fred, he's a champion, but you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, like, like I, you know, I know what you're saying. Like it's not that that Malachi is better than Fred, but when I watch how Fred facilitates an offense versus how Malachi in his limited minutes so far has facilitated it, I'm like, bro, Malachi low-key is kind of better at being a facilitator. And, and that's, it's not concerning, it's good. And you like to see a young guy being able to facilitate. I mean, I'm like, when I see Malachi out there in these like these last few games, bro, he's dishing it out to guys. Like, he's, he's nice. picking, yeah, and he's picking good times when to try and get his, 
versus when to look for someone else, especially off the pick and roll. And coming into the NBA, he was the best pick and roll, probably the best pick and roll ball handler in college last year. So it doesn't shock me that he's good at facilitating and running this offense and, you know, finding looks for guys. So let's say his, his development continues and he becomes a very serviceable point guard. I don't think he'll be an all-star, but I can see him being a really, really good point guard. It's like, I can see him being a guy that puts up like 15, 5, like 7. It's a question of, okay, so let's say Malachi starts to develop. Let's say two years down the line. Malachi's looking like, no, Malachi can be a starter. Like, you know, it'll, let's say he hits that point like Fred hit that point a couple years back where it's like Fred wants to start, Fred knows he can start. Okay, let's say Malachi hits the same point. What happens then? Because now we're having a big jam in terms of uh, just our lineup in general. Let's say, you know, whatever. We want Malachi to be our point guard. So now it's like we have Malachi, Gary Trent, OG, Siakam, and then we have a five. Where does Fred go? The way I look at it, no matter what happens, one of these guys is really likely to be expendable in the next two to three years. I don't think it's any time now. I don't think the Raptors are shopping them. I don't want them to shop them because I still think that these guys are very good players on a championship team. They're not a number one and a number two, but Siakam's a number two. And Fred, who knows? Fred, Fred proved he could be a sixth man on a championship team. I said this before. I think that is Fred's calling on a championship team as a sixth man. But he could be, who knows? The right roster, he could be a third option. I don't know. I know he's a sixth man on a championship team. And those are two really important roles on a champ if you want to win a chip. You need a good second option. You need a good sixth man. You're be not the winning mono. a chip with just five. Be the mono Ginobili. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. But I don't think he wants that. And I can get it. Why would you want it? You know you can start in this league. Why would you settle? Maybe it'll change since he got the bag and maybe he wants to win again. I don't know. My point being is that with this Malik, whether or not we decide to do a Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., um, if we decide to run Malachi at the one, Fred's going to be kind of caught in the limb. If we decide to run, um, or sorry, if we decide to run Malachi at the one, it's kind of like what happens to Fred. If we decide to run Fred at the one and then, or, or Malachi at the one with him at the two, slide Gary to the three, OG at the four, what, we running Siakam at the five forever? Because we've seen what that does. It's not It's not what Siakam's game is. Siakam is not a five. He's not a role man. He needs the ball in his hands. He is a good ball handler for a power forward. We've seen this more times than not. He knows what he's doing. So either way, depending on which way we go with our team's development for the future, one of those two is the odd man out. Because I would imagine if you want, you know, Malachi to develop, you want Gary to develop, you want OG to develop. And depending on what their you know steps they take in the next couple of years, we might start looking at Fred as the guy like, okay, we can probably move this guy because he's on a pretty good contract. Like a norm situation. You know what you're getting with Exactly. You know what you're getting with Fred. Fred's a elite shooter. Fred's a great two way player and he plays way bigger than his size. And in the right role, he'll he'll be, he'll be lethal for you. Yeah, And it all depends. So I, I don't think it's unreasonable to see one of those two guys go. I just think for money reasons, and not only that, more so just what they bring to the table, Fred is more replaceable, much more replaceable and more expendable than Siakam. How many times are you going to come across a guy who's six foot nine, crazy wingspan, plays great defense, can handle the ball, can get to the bucket, can shoot the mid-range, the three is a little bit like, hey, it's up in the air now, but I don't think he's going to be very reliant on it moving forward. He can get to the line, and more importantly, the guy can pass, and he can make plays for guys. I mean, bro, if we had a 
competent roster, if we had a competent big, I'm telling you, Tiakam can put up six, seven assists a game. He can do that. You give him the right team, put a good team around him, he can give you seven assists a game. He's up there with Sabonis and um, Jokic. I'm not saying he's like, Jokic is like top tier, like yeah. the best passing big man arguably ever. But in terms of right now in this league, like him, Sabonis, Siakam, uh, I know I'm definitely missing more, like a couple of others. Bam! You know, these are bigs that are such good passers, and Pascal is up there. He's up there with them. He's just maybe not getting his flowers because, you know, Raptors aren't doing well, and it's easy to shit on Siakam because everyone's been doing it for almost a year now. But that's a really hard skill set to pass up on versus Fred, who's an undersized guard, who's not athletic and not a great finisher at the rim, but he's an elite shooter, and he plays really great defense. Like, one of those is a lot easier to come by and easier to replace than the other. So, to me, in two to three years, I won't be shocked if Fred is the guy that we move if we don't have the superstar on our team. All right, we're going to take a little quick break. And the reason we're taking this break is because I just want to let everybody know that we do not have a sponsor for this episode. This episode is sponsored by nobody, so I'm letting you know that if you know someone that wants to sponsor this podcast, this is where you'll get your ad space. So hit us up in the DM, send us an email, because we'd love to work with you. So, the biggest question, uh, aside from who's going to be our next center, etc., we're wondering about Masai. Is Masai staying or leaving? And if he's leaving, what do you think the post Masai is going to look like? You know, bro, I really don't know. With Masai, I feel like it's tough, man. I feel like it's hard to know what he wants to do, whether it's with his team or now even with like his sort of career. Like I have no clue what this guy's thinking. And that makes it tough to make a call. The one thing that makes me think he wouldn't leave is that he seems really invested not only with this organization, but just Canada in general and like living in Canada. I mean, you know, if I remember correctly, his daughter was born here. And if she wasn't born here, she's really been raised here. She goes to school here. She's gone to school here. She started school here. And he even said himself, he considers himself a Canadian. I mean, not only is this guy obviously running our basketball organization and, and doing all that, man, he's met the prime minister of Canada. He's met with Trudeau. He's had discussions with him on things. And, and to me, I can't see someone who only concerned, only looks at this Raptors team as a paycheck, a nine to five job. Okay, guys, I'm clocking out now. Why would you want to, you know, get so involved in the community? And not only that, to the point where you're meeting with the, the leader of the country. Like, how many times do you see NBA t- uh, coaches in the states meet with like presidents to discuss whatever? Only time I'm seeing the meeting presidents is like when you win a championship and you get invited to the white house for that formal sort of like, you know, ceremony, but like to discuss whatever and to just meet and and talk about whether it be political issues, whether that's internally in Canada or if it's global. I mean, that, that to me sounds like this guy is really invested in this country. Like he loves it here. And I, I can't see him wanting to leave because he's really, made this organization in in a sense like in his image like this was he took this organization from the gutter and look at us now like in less than 10 years he has made us one of the best franchises in the league bro one of the most like yeah i don't want to say expensive but it's one of the most recognized brands Mm -hmm. right 
like even integrating OVO in there when uh, the NBA allowed yeah. like sponsorships and stuff. Like our branding has been off the roof. Like even our championship, um, all those clothing, the merchandise that came out, fire, fire. Yeah. Like name another team, right. maybe Lakers, maybe Lakers yeah. have like as nice. And they, like, and, yeah, we and, killed that. And the Lakers have the benefit of just being in LA. Like they have that benefit of you're, you you get the you get the luxury of being in Los Angeles, yeah. where all these celebrities are. Everyone wants to be there. All these things are there. Toronto, obviously, elite city, but it's not LA in that regard. So we don't we have to earn it more. We have to push it more, and we have to work for it more as a team. And if you can see, like, I mean, even my parents, like my parents, you know, have said, and my mom in particular, that the marketing of some of these NBA teams is terrible. But the Raptors is look incredible. at Detroit. Yeah, disgusting. Like, the rap. Yeah, like it's it's like the way we push our product as a team, whether it's players, merchandise, um, events, you name it. Like they, they, the Raptors are just good at it. Like I look at some of these teams and the way they 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 push out their brand, and it's like, bro, this stinks, man. Like this sucks. Like I remember the Orlando Magic had like a halftime show with like old people dancing. I'm like, bro, yeah, like that. what is this? What? Yeah, right. It was like 80 year olds, and it's like who? Who are you marketing this to? Because like I don't think eighty year olds are watching the Orlando Magic like that. I know for a fact young people are looking at this like what the fuck is this? Like I I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for someone's grandma to be dancing to like Fetty Wap. I didn't ask for that. Who who gave the green light on that? <laughs> That's my point. You don't. I see some of these things and like it's just like bro, could never be my team. My no no my team knows better than that. Like what kind of marketing is that? And even when it comes down to, like, the Twitter, like, our social media presence, like, it's just, like, I feel like we go the extra mile with a lot of things. So, and I feel like that's, a lot of that comes down to the influence that Masai put on this organization from top to bottom. You know, with player development, branding, marketing, um, coaching, this, that. I mean, look at our G League, like, everything. This organization is so well run. I feel it's because Masai has such a big impact and such a big say in how things go. I mean, he's president, obviously, but I feel like Tettenbaum really, really respects his word on things and yeah. his opinion on things, you know? And, you know, Tettenbaum, at the end of the day, this guy's an owner. He wants to make his money. And to me, you keep the guy that can keep, keep you competitive and solid because what better way to make money than to be a good basketball team or to be, you know, well-run? I mean, it, it, it makes sense. To me, the only way I see him leaving, I don't even know if I see him leaving for another team. Yeah. Like, if, if, if like, the Knicks came to him and said, oh, come, you know, blah, 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 blah. I don't know if he'd go. The only, th I think with the way Masai operates and, like, based off how, you know, we can see how he, he sort of carries himself and the business that he does and the people he meets and stuff. Like, going back to what I was even saying about discussing things with Trudeau. I feel like Masai's vision for his future is a lot bigger than just being another president or president of another NBA team. Only way I see him leaving is if he gets like basically full sort of control and he's on the top of Giants of Africa. Like if he can run Giants of Africa, sort of like how he runs the Raptors, I think he would do that. Because now it's like he has the chance to not just like it, it, it's bigger than a team it's like i can really like impact positively a whole continent's development of a sport and i'm sure he knows because like 
anybody with a logical brain can tell you the potential the whole continent of Africa has for basketball is insane. Like you, like Nigeria alone has so much talent. Their national team like, is I, stacked, bro. You have really good NBA players on that team, like Spencer Dinwiddie, Monte Morris, Alfaruq Aminu, um, Gabe Vincent. You have guys that are eligible, Bam Adebayo. You have um, OG Ananobi, Precious Achua. Like you, you have a lot of guys that can play for this team, even and young guys too. A lot of them got and drafted like, this season uh, too. I think there was like seven guys that got drafted yeah, from Nigeria. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, have Nigerian yeah, roots. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. So it's like, bro, there's so much potential with Nigeria alone. Now, like, imagine like what, like, I mean, look at Cameroon. You have Siakam and you have Embiid. You know, Congo. Like, you look at the Congo. You have um, Sur- Surge and Bismack coming from Congo. I mean, I know Surge plays for Spain and everything, but I mean, I'm, I'm talking about like roots wise. Like, yeah. obviously, where his like you know roots come from, Aziz from uh, Democratic Republic of Congo. And could you imagine how much more talent there is just sitting in wherever in Africa, like untapped talent, bro, it, never get opportunity. Yeah, to that's like what I mean. Untapped talent, like it's just like, could you imagine how many potential? NBA players could be sitting around right now, wherever the resources just aren't there. And I feel like if you put a guy in Masai, like Masai in charge of that, Masai will utilize it and he will make sure that like Africa will be pumping out more NBA talent and that minds will start to respect, you know, basketball from Africa and that these African countries will be basketball powerhouses because of it. I can see that vision in Masai. Like, planning for that if they get their own league, me, that, like the nba with like mm-hmm. different countries or like major cities having their own yeah. teams kind of yeah. like a and, and league I, structure and i swear that they were even discussing something like that there was even ideas for that going yeah, around. so like and, and it wouldn't shock me if Masai was definitely involved with getting those discussions out and that's just like that's just my point like this guy has a big sort of he has big ambitions clearly and i think like if it's not leaving for giants of africa I won't be shocked at all if Masai is the commissioner of the league one day. One day. Wouldn't be shocked in the slightest. Because if there's any any sort of executive off the top of my head right now that earned that right and could easily run this league, it's him. Easily him. So I, I can't see him leaving for another team. Unless that team really throws him the bag, like something ridiculous. Like basically, here's a blank check. I don't think right, he cares about the money, wants. though. I don't think he cares about the money. Yeah, you know what? You know what's crazy though. I did see a really interesting take from somebody. I don't remember who it was. It was a random person on Twitter, but I actually thought it was kind of neat. He's like their hot take was that Masai would leave for to work on the expansion of a Seattle team. He'd be president and he'd have ownership. He'd have partial ownership. And I was like, you know what? That's kind of That's I. I don't know if it'll happen. Sick. I don't. It is. It, it is pretty interesting to think about because it's like that to me seems like a crazy thing Masai would Masai seems like he likes the challenge he seems like a guy that enjoys a challenge he, gets a build he doesn't want to go to Seattle. A, yeah I don't think he'd want to go to a team that was like okay this team is like already super elite they have everything in place I'm just coming in to just overpower it he seems like the kind of guy that's like nah nah you know what this team has potential there's something I can work with here I'm gonna make the most of it you know what I mean I mean yeah. so I, I don't think it'll happen I think it's still very unlikely but I think it'd be a neat thing to to see happen like i wouldn't hate it if that's what happened especially if you got ownership it's like oh buddy get your money because like you're gonna be sitting on 
so much. And then who knows, that money, he could just help with Giants of Africa or whatever sort of other basketball cause or any sort of cause he has. You know, it's like, what kind of, you know, executive money is good. Ownership money is a different level. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like, it'd be interesting to see. But but I I think he, I don't think it's unreasonable to think he stays. I think Masai, Masai seems like the type of guy that's all about his smoke screens and just leaving people on their toes. Yeah. So, I think he's genuinely enjoying the fact that there's a bunch of like talk about him leaving, and like it's probably funny to him. You know, like uh, he he seems like a guy that's about his business. He wants to get through the season, get his work done, do this, do that, and then come you know off season. All right, let's discuss now about my future. I'm sure he has everything. I'm I'm sure he has options on the table. He doesn't seem like a guy that wouldn't have his options on the table. But I'm sure at the same time he loves Toronto. He he loves being here. He loves his organization. He loves his country. But at the same time, he knows his worth. He wants to get paid, and I'm sure he's going to want to be the highest paid executive. And let's be honest, he deserves. He deserves. It. He deserves it. to be the. Deserves yeah. to be the highest paid executive in the league. He is the best executive in the league. I don't care about this season, and all people saying he screwed. Oh, he fucked up with the honest. Blah, 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 blah. Buddy, what do you want me to tell you? He gambled. You know, everybody loved the Kawhi gamble in hindsight. If this Giannis thing, if Giannis didn't sign, and then he came here, everybody would be looking at Masai like he's Einstein of basketball. You know, so you, you take risks. You want to, you know, scared money don't make money. You want to win big, you got to risk big. That's how it works. Yo, Masai understands that. Message to anybody that's like saying that Masai fucked up and he fumbled the back this season. Go look at the Phoenix Suns and what's been happening to them for the last 10 years. Go look at Sacramento Kings. These people can't even draft in the lottery. So anyway, look, look at Minnesota. Look at, look Minnesota. at Minnesota. Oh, God. Bro. <laughs> They've had like what five Stinks, number one bro. picks in like eight years. In like eight years, five number one picks. What do they have to show for it? They made it to the playoffs that one time and got bounced with Jimmy five. Butler, and then shipped them out. Yeah, and then and then he left after twenty two games. You gave away. Oh, it's like, bro, like you've had you've picked Andrew Wiggins, you've picked Carl Anthony Towns, you've picked Anthony Edwards, bro. You've had three number one picks in like seven years, and you've made the playoff. One plus one time as an eighth seed, and you made it not by like comfortably, you made it on a do or die game against Denver like three years ago. It was a do or die game, you needed to win it, you won it, and then you got bounced in five. And then Jimmy Butler basically said, Fuck this, because he knew <laughs> this, this organization is full of bums, and I'm surrounded by a bunch of soft ass kids. And I'm sorry, that's what a lot of that's 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 the truth. I don't know what man's want me to tell you. Like, it, it this team is clearly soft. Like they're missing it. They don't have. It's not even like they don't have it. They, they don't have it. They don't even have any toughness to them. It's like, bro. Like, There's no identity with that team, bro. And I think that's no, why I'm really excited for Gary Trent because, like, with Lowry gone, I think Gary's personality fits with how competitive Fred and Pascal is. Because OG is mm-hmm. what he's like the quiet leader, right? But yeah. Gary's very vocal. You can see that this guy's a dog, and he just wants to go out there and like slay man, even if he has a bad game. But to mm-hmm. wrap up the Masai thing, I think I speak for everybody when I say that like he's easily the greatest, I guess, individual to play not play, sorry, be a part of the Raptors basketball team. Not even just a team, but the organization as a whole. Like yeah, Kyle Lowry as yeah. a player is the greatest as a player, but I think as a figure and what. He did not just for like the sport of basketball, but just our franchise alone is already golden in my opinion. Oh yeah, like we we talk about a lot. Like I think 
Oh, Larry needs a statue. Larry needs a statue. Masai, Masai needs, needs a statue. A statue. I need to see a 100% completely gold statue of Masai on his Blackberry in front of the ACC. That guy needs to be there. Inside of Jurassic Park, if, bro. Yeah, I don't care if no one else has a statue of their executive. No one else, as far as I'm concerned, in the last 10 years has had a executive like this guy. No. I'm sorry. Like, like, Pat Riley's the man. Um, Danny Ainge, lately okay, whatever people making jokes about almost <laughs> Ainge. But like at the end of the day, this is a guy that's a great, a great, you know, executive. But right now, but Masai is like both those organizations had a history of being successful prior to their, you know, those guys being brought in. Yeah. Masai literally took a team that was a bottom feeder for the majority of twenty years almost and made them into legitimate powerhouse for almost ten years. And people can say whatever the hell they want about, oh, you guys flamed out in the playoffs. You guys did that. Like, I don't care. Like, man, it's just chat too much. Like, at the end of the day, in the last, like, six years, there's only two other teams that are more winning, that have won more than us. And that's yeah. the Warriors and the Cavs. Yeah. We, we've had, what, five straight seasons of 50-game winning seasons. We've constantly been a top four seed for the last seven, eight years. We won a championship. Like, Bro, put some respect on it. Like you, you take any other organization, swap out the name Raptors, put their name on those accolades. They're going to be thirsting for them. I'm seeing so many people, like, you know, when, when DeRozan was here and when Lowry was here, everyone's talking about how, you know, we could be the number two seed and, oh, they're not serious. They're frauds. They're this, they're that. And, like, I'm not seeing that energy for teams like Milwaukee because, like, I'm sorry, Milwaukee's not a real contender. It's a fraudulent-ass contender. That's not a contending team. You have Bud as your head coach. Not happening. Let, let's save that for another your, episode. Trust me, because we're gonna go yeah, in saying, on yeah, very yeah. No, yeah, soon. I, I, you, you know me. I always make trade rocks, <laughs> so I, I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm gonna hold back. I, and you know me. I love my buck slander. I have a bunch of Twitter questions submitted by people on Twitter, but before we go into it, what do you think we could do to change the narrative regarding the free agency in Toronto? Because everyone looks at Toronto as like. Oh, that's in another country. We got to go through customs. Lou Williams was talking about, oh, I had to make a new bank account. Bro, you're getting paid millions. You're you're yeah, sad and upset over Lou, Lou Will, a new bank Lou, account? Lou, Lou Will, yeah. Lou Will is the upset ex that was basically curved. And so now he's trying to you know. Do you remember the interview? When they asked him why oh, he yeah. didn't resign with Toronto, yeah, he's yeah. just like, it just didn't work yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, you know why it didn't work out? We didn't want you. That's because you stunk it up against Washington. That's why it didn't work out. You're a pylon on defense. You got That's why swept. it didn't work out. Yeah. And it's like, and he stunk it up. So we didn't want him back. And he took it to heart. He wanted to stay. You can look it up. He wanted to stay. We didn't want him. So what does he go and do now? All of a sudden, slander about Toronto. Bro, you're a grown man. If setting up a bank account is so difficult for you, I don't know what to tell you. Don't you have, like, don't you, can't you hire don't you have people to do that? Yeah, can't you hire people to do that for you? Like, I mean, is it really that complicated? I, I, I lived in England. I lived in a different country. I set up a bank account. Was not something very complicated. Was it inefficient? Yes. Was it complicated? No. I went into the bank account. I went to the bank, told them, hey, I just moved here from Canada. I need a bank account. Oh, cool. All right. We'll set that up for you. I sat there for like 15, 20 minutes and it was done. There you go. I think there's always going to be Americans that have that sense of exceptionalism and that sort of, I want to shit on Canada because I don't know. That's just what we do here. There's always going to be guys like that. Like how many times have we spoken to Americans and I'm not trying to really like shit on Americans here, but like they don't know anything about us. Like they know nothing about us. And not only that, 
but they wear it as a badge of honor. Like, why the fuck would I give a, a shit about you guys, bro? Who cares about Canada? It's like, bro, like being ignorant to other people outside of your country is not sick. Like, you're not cool for that. And I swear to God, it's just Americans that wear it with like a badge of honor. So, like, to me, I feel like to an extent, it won't ever change completely unless Americans change how they view us and how they kind of look at the outside world. Yeah, it's the bubble, man. Their but, bubble is mad yeah, it, thick. Yeah, like, they, they live in their own little world. And to an extent, I kind of understand because, like, yeah, you know what? They're, like, the biggest like, pushers of, like, you know, movies, culture, music. So, like, to them, it's like, well, why should I care about other countries? I live in America. We're the shit. Everybody wants to be like us. And it's like, yeah, okay, fair enough. A lot of people like you, but like, bro, there's a lot of people that don't like you. And there's a lot of things that aren't that great about you. And there's a lot of cool things about other countries. You guys aren't the end all be all. So a lot of it comes down to, are they willing to change how they perceive us? And we can't control that. And I personally don't think they're ever going to really, really change. So we can't do too much. However, what we can control, I think we're getting better at. I think, you know, before when guys would get traded here, it was like, fuck. Like, I, I don't want to play like, here. I'm not reporting you, you, to the you, team. You, yeah, yeah, you heard what Larry said. He said when he got traded here originally, he said I was going to play on my contract and I was getting the fuck out of there the moment I could. But the more I stayed here, the more I fell in love with the city, the more I fell in love with the fans, and I started to see that this work, this organization was about. Even Patrick Patterson, I mean, like, fuck Patrick Patterson. But, like, <laughs> even he even said, I remember he was, like, his player's tribune. I think maybe he wrote it when he got traded away from the Raptors. Um he even said, like, look, when I, he's like, my first night here, I had, like, snow up to my, like, my shins. I was freezing. I didn't know where I was. I basically thought I was in an Arctic wasteland because that's how he perceived Canada. And I'm sure that's how a bunch of them still perceive Canada. But he said, when I got here, you know, I didn't know where I was going. And some random person came up to me because they could just tell that I was lost. And they helped me get to where I had to go. And they didn't even, like, really know who I was. Like, to them, it was just like, oh, you're just a person that's lost. Let me help you out. Yeah. And I feel like. You hear more and more stories about NBA players talking about stuff like that. You know, how the fans, like, embrace them. And just even other guys. I mean, like, Danny Green comes here every summer. He loves it. LeBron comes here in the summer. He loves it. These guys like Toronto. They like coming here for vacations, for tournaments. They love Caravan Weekend because you know they love their Toronto women. Um, if you know, like you know. Here. If you know, you know. Yeah, if you know, if you know, if you know, you know. So, like, I feel like with, like, when it comes to this narrative about playing here, I feel like it is changing because not only is Toronto an elite city and guys are starting to recognize it, it's an elite city. Like, I'd say when you look at every other city in the league that teams are based out of, bro, we're, we're top five. Easily. But name me other cities that are... Well, name us another. Name us, like, LA, cool, obviously. New York, obviously. You know, Miami's up there with us. Chicago. San Francisco, depending on how you like look at it, like, how are you gonna try and roast me? Oh, Toronto's a shithole. Like, dog, you live in Indianapolis. Like, have some have some shame. Be self aware. <laughs> or like, oh, Salt Lake City. Like, bro, I promise you, no one's coming there. No one's coming to Salt Lake City willingly unless they just converted to Mormonism. Like, I'm not, I'm not going there. And I feel like more and more guys are starting to see it. I mean, Gary Trent Jr. speaking super highly of us, and like to an extent, bro, even Kawhi. Like, you know. A lot of these guys want to roast us because Kawhi, oh, Kawhi left as soon as he can. Blah, blah, blah. Bro, Kawhi had, his, Kawhi had his eyes on home before he the even moment came here. he was having issues. In, before he came here, he had issues. He wanted to go home. It's nothing to do with us. 
what these guys love to overlook and write off is that he said Toronto did everything right. The organization did everything right for me, like the way I looked at it. He's like, so you have a superstar telling you, yeah, these guys, well, these guys killed it actually. Like they did everything right. Like they treated me good. They worked with me. The team was solid. Like, and this is a top five player in the NBA saying this. Yeah, I just want so, to be home. He just wanted to be home, yeah, bro. He just, like he, he wanted to raise wanted his to kids home. with his family around. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, like this is what I mean. He wanted to be home. I mean, are you seeing the you seeing the cribs he bought? I, I'd want to be home too, man. This guy <laughs> has an infinity pool, looking at like looking at the hills of LA, like of Beverly Hills. Bro, yeah, I'll, I'll be home for the too. I think Raptors are doing enough to change the narrative. They're they're doing their part to change what they can. Yeah, we're we're running a well run organization. They're doing everything this right. Is a winning. It's just that yeah, we're trying to influence another, I guess, country pretty much. We're trying to influence a whole country, and we already know that America is like number one when it comes to exporting their culture, right? So it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we we're really not gonna be able to. We're like a little guppy in a big ocean trying to influence that. So before we yeah, wrap uh, it up, I obviously want to ask you the Twitter questions, and these are rapid yeah. fire questions. So you can just pretty much tell me how you feel about them. You don't have to really go deep into it. If people get yeah, triggered yeah. by your answers, well, fuck you. Uh, you can just... I'm just kidding. Not fuck you. Thank you for listening. Just hit us up. Let us know why you disagree. <laughs> we want to wow. talk. We want to have a conversation. We're just, we're, just, we're just one episode in already slandering just... the guys that listen to us. Love that. Hey, man. We just want to have honest conversations. This is not an interview podcast. This is just for us to come on and talk basketball. We're not professionals. We're not analysts. We just love ball and we love our Raptors. We just want to talk about it. All right. Yes, First question is by Eric Nacht. Has Luka Doncic become underrated? Oh, um, I, I mean, I wouldn't say so, personally. I mean, yeah, no, I would, I would, I wouldn't say he's underrated. Um, I don't really see a lot of hate for him like that. I don't see the media shitting on him. I don't see casual fans or other teams or even like officials like kind of disrespecting him. So I wouldn't say he's underrated. I'd say he's right at where he should be. I think he was kind of getting a little bit too much credit to start off the season, saying he's going to be the number one. He was like, I think what was he? he was like most likely to win MVP, yeah. everything like that. It's like okay, let's let's slow our roll with that. Like he's not there yet. He will be. He's not there yet though. Um, yeah. Like my, my take on I, that I, is I, like every year, well, every season, the media will have a different focal point, right? Like, they're trying to sell mm-hmm, stories because they're trying to bring in the most views. And with Luca, when he first came in and he was, like, wrecking teams with those buzzer beaters, with the step backs and shit, like, that's a that's a great story. But then eventually, all right, who's next? So they hopped onto Zion. Yeah. And then Giannis yeah, got a lot of love. There's what? a new golden boy every year. I mean, like, every Zion, like, it's, it's crazy how, like, to me, like, Zion has almost, like, taken a step back because LaMelo was the new golden boy. And it's like, this is what I mean. Like, to me, it's just like, it's just forcing who's the new golden boy to the point where, like, bro, Zion to me, Zion to me, almost to an extent, has become underrated by how the media talks about him. Because it's like, bro, this guy's putting up, like, 27, 26, however, like, he's putting up monster games on insane efficiency. And he doesn't even have a good roster in terms of spacing around him. Put a stretch five next to him. Put a point guard that okay now with Lonzo you know playing uh, most of the time he's he's stretching the floor and he's hitting more of the shots but like really strengthen and put proper players that can stretch the floor around him it's scary what this kid could do yeah scary and I feel like the media has 
stopped talking about him as much. Maybe not so much now that Lamelo's out, but yeah. definitely like when Lamelo was playing, it's like I love Lamelo. Don't get I I'm a, I was always thinking Lamelo's going to be a yeah. star. He's tired, of, you know, when he got drafted, everyone's saying he's going to be a bust. Now, nah, fuck out of here. He's good. He's going to be better than Lonzo. But he was like everything was about Lamelo. Lamelo this, Lamelo that. It could be a Lamelo pass or a monster, you know, dunk, and they're talking about the Lamelo pass more than the dunk itself. So I feel like Zion definitely got a little bit less credit and less looks than he was. But back to the original point, Luca being underrated, no, nah, I, I wouldn't say so as of right now. But who knows, man? The way like media narratives push things, we could see it soon. Yeah. Shout out to Eric for that question. All right, going to give you a couple more before we wrap this up. Young underscore Simba7 asks, was letting Serge Ibaka go a good decision due to his regression this season? Um... I wouldn't say it was a good decision. I feel like we could have definitely brought him back. Um, on one hand, I mean, again, I, I get why we did it. You know, I, I don't I don't think Masai was an idiot for doing it. Masai was all in on the Giannis sweepstakes. It didn't pay off. Shit happens. Um, and when it comes to his regression, I'd say that regression is less on him. I think it just shows how sometimes... Raptors players get hated on when they're on the Raptors and then they leave and they get highly touted and get so much love and then you start to realize oh these guys were actually really good because the Raptors system benefited their play and the Raptors system made Serge's life so much better. not taking away anything from Serge and his development as an offensive player especially in his ability to stretch the floor that's all him that's his work that he's put in but it obviously helps when you have an elite pick and roll point guard that can get you looks like Kyle Lowry and having a really well balanced roster around you that can help you work off of your strengths like yeah. how many times do we see last year and the year before that when we needed a quick bucket what do we do pick and roll or pick and pop surge and Kyle Lowry elbow jumper money every single time you know he had he always had competent guards around him now look when you go to the Clippers Who's, who is setting up my guy Serge? No Nobody. one is setting up Serge. No one. That team, that the guards on that team are ass. They're ass. Maybe now it'll be better with Rajon Rondo there because Rajon Rondo can definitely find some looks for Serge. But how are you expecting Serge to like do anything when his lead guard is Reggie Jackson or Patrick Beverly who can't facilitate? So because you now are taking away what Serge is best at with like the pick and pops and like getting looks set up for him, you're asking him to create more, you're going to regress because that's not what Serge is. Serge isn't a guy that can create. Serge is good at like getting set up with a good look by a point guard or getting yeah. a nice kick out to a three. He, he's, he's a play finisher. He's not a creator. And because of this roster setup with the Clippers, he's being forced to create and do more than I think he's really comfortable with, which is why we're seeing the numbers drop. Final question. This one's pretty much going to be close to home for a lot of us. And I'm sure you've heard this question before. Do you think... Oh, this question is asked by MVO90. Thank you for asking this question. Would the Raptors win the chip in 2019 with DeMar instead of Kawhi? No. It's a flat no from everybody. Not because we don't no. like DeMar. We no. don't think DeMar is no. Yeah, I love good. DeMar. Love DeMar. No. We did not a chance Tell to me why. even that. I hate talking about this because I feel like it makes us sound like I'm slandering DeMar. Yeah. To the people that actually think we could have won with them. How many times do you need to watch someone fail at something? To finally understand, maybe this isn't something they're meant to do. Yeah, I'm not saying Demar isn't a great player, and I'm not saying Demar can't be a pivotal piece on a championship team. What I am saying is Demar's not a number one, and we've seen that for what five years. 
he's not a number one. The ceiling with DeMar as your number one was in Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. And you know what? That's that's more than what a lot of guys can say in the league. That's more a than lot a lot of franchises can, can say, say in the league, league bro. That's what a, that's a lot more than what a lot of guys can say they can do with the team. But that's my point. Like, at the end of the day, DeMar is not a good defender, even though he has all the tools to be a good defender. He's tall. He's long. He's athletic. He just doesn't tap into it when unless he, unless he's, like, angry or unless he... It, it, it's He chooses when to be a good defender, and that's what's irritating. Yeah. And on top of that, as much... I'm not saying, oh, his game is bad, but, you know, it hurts not having a three ball in his game, like a consistent three ball. It obviously hurts in today's era of spacing. And given, like, I feel like with the way the team was set up before and what was expected of certain guys, it was never going to work. And I, I still feel like, bro, it, it just, he just, he's just not that guy. That's the most important part. He's not that guy. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, people will slander him or they'll take me saying that as slander. He's not that guy. He's not a number one on a championship team. And to be fair, there's maybe like four or five guys that you can say in this league are that guy. So it's not a knock on him. You know, majority of the guys in this league, the stars of this league are not number ones. Cat is not a number one. Um, I'll, I'll even argue and say maybe Damian Lillard isn't a number one. Like, Oof. There's a lot of guys that aren't a number one. Dame, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm just throwing names. Cat is definitely not a number one. Dame could be if he has a better roster around him, but who knows? Who knows? That's my point. Who knows? So yeah, to say, you. could we have won it without with him? Absolutely not. We would have won in six against Orlando, and they would have been grimy, tough games, and we would have got smoked by Philly. By Philly, we would have been smoked by Philly. Yeah. We we would have lost in five. We would have lost in five. Against Philly. 100%. And to be honest, 2019 you, was the year. If we want to win a ring, that was the year to like go, that was go the year. and get that. And that's, and that's my point. Like, look look what Kawhi had to do to get us to win in seven. Yeah. And we still won on a buzzer beater. And that's not negating anything. We earned that series. We won it fair and square. But look at he ha- look what that man had to do. He had to carry that team to the finish line. Like, well, he was putting up like what thirty a game, thirty something a game, somewhere around just there. Going, yeah, he was going insane. I, I felt like I was watching Jordan, <laughs> and that series went to se- that series went to seven. Swap that with DeRozan. Boah, we're done in five. We're done in five. Butler's gonna put him in hell. Butler would put that guy in hell, and I love DeRozan. But there's not a chance in hell we even come, we even sniff the conference finals, let alone the championship. I think if the only reason of, uh, we have that discussion anyways is because obviously, like, if we won it with DeMar, that would have been, like... It's like, you know what? Cleveland won that championship with LeBron. That would have been probably the closest that we would have gotten to have, like, a yeah, hometown guy that win it for us. Even that would he's not been, a hometown guy. That would, have been one, that would have been one of the best sort of stories for Ever. a championship. Because yeah. it's like, we fought, it's, it's like the Raptors and DeRozan finally get over the hump together. And it's like, that would have been awesome. But, like... I mean, even Kawhi, even, uh, sorry, DeRozan's comments about how if, you know, oh, you know, LeBron was gone, we, we had a chance, this and that. It's like, oh, fuck, man. Like, you don't want to hear that kind of shit from your number one player. You're talking about how, oh, see, LeBron was gone. I thought we could run it back one more time. Oh, well, if, he, if we had LeBron, we'd win too. It's like, you don't want to hear that from a guy that's supposed to be leading you to a chip. Like, that's not what you want to hear. Because to me, that just sounds like, oh, brother you're just waving the white flag 
Because it to me, you're just admitting we can't beat this guy. We can't beat him. I can't lead us to beat him. So, bro, like it's like uh, we we gotta that put Philly that to team would. We gotta put yeah, that Debo conversation I, to rest. Yeah, I love DeRozan. Yeah. I love him. I will always appreciate him for everything he did for the organization and for the city. But like. You got to call a spade a spade. He's not a number one. I can see him being like a number three, number two option, probably number three on like the right team. Like if you yeah. put him on the Lakers as the number three option, that's a, that's a chip. Right that's there. easy repeat. That's Bro, thank you so much for coming on. We've been at this for the last hour. We had a lot of good conversations. But before we wrap it up, I do want to bait some people for the beginning of the podcast. So unless they're listening this deep in, they wouldn't realize that it was all just bait. So now, you and I are pretty much going to say some outlandish shit. Maybe just like some of our worst takes that I'm going to cut and put in the beginning of the podcast. Uh, uh-huh. I'll give you an example. Just to like, you know, just to get people triggered. Be like, oh, I want to listen to this. This guy sounds stupid. The Milwaukee Bucks are winning the championship this season. I know I'm the only one that's going to say that from the Toronto Raptors fan base. But I'm telling you guys right now, they're the real deal. They're going to win the championship. What do you think? What's how do you feel about it? I love that take so much. <laughs> I love it. It's 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 a really it's a really really good take. We can't even I fake agree this with shit. It. No. <laughs> All right, now it's your turn, um, bro. Okay, what's your what, worst? What, what's my really bad? Oh, um, Andrew Wiggins is better than Pascal Siakam because he has a better bag. It's hard to follow up when he, you say something shit like that. Um, <laughs> All right. He, I mean, I mean, think about it, bro. He's like, he's just got a deeper bag, and he's just way more versatile than Siakam. And it's like, you know, and he's what Canadian. else is there to say? And he's just he's Canadian, bro. It's, he's the Maple Mamba. I don't care about RJ Barrett. Fuck that kid. Yeah, I'm playing RJ Barrett's a go. Yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, like wow. When I look at Andrew Wiggins, I'm like, wow. I wish, I wish I had him on my team instead of Siakam. Oh, gosh, yeah, bro. I can't believe Jimmy Butler left Andrew Wiggins, bro. They could have won so many championships together. Um, bro, man, I, I feel like Malachi is going to have a better career than Fred. And if we really want to win a championship, I think we should flip Fred for a pick and let Malachi be the starting guard and let just let Lowry walk. I think that's the direction I, that we should be headed. I, I think so, too. I think what we should do is a sign and trade for Dennis Schroeder, who is already better than Fred Van Vliet anyway. Bro, he almost fucked up OG, bro. Take. Like, how dare OG do that? Like, obviously, it was slick, but yo, I feel like Shooter could have really fucked up OG. Yeah, I, I think Montrezl Harrell is the best center in the NBA. <laughs> yo, we gotta stop it right there. <laughs> <laughs> yo, we're going deep, bro. I can already, like, have, this, this, like, if just picture some stinks. people listening to this and be like, fuck I, these kids. I. I, I hate I hated everything about I never want to be on this podcast. <laughs> Bro, those last five minutes was horrendous. But no, man, I just, I just thank you don't. so much for uh joining us for no, the first episode. Obviously we'd love to have you back for future episodes as we plan more. Is there anything you want to say to the people that are listening, if they are still listening this far? Don't 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 ever don't ever invite me on the show again. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um honestly, no man, this was a lot of fun. And, you know, thank you for getting me on and just to honestly shoot the shit and talk about ball. Um yeah, you man, hey, you just say the word, bro. You know, I'll always hop on whenever you want me to. Um and uh yeah, bro, to anyone that was listening, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry in advance 
Um, yo, shout <laughs> out your apologize. socials, bro. Shout out your socials. Where can they find you on Twitter yeah, or anywhere else? Yo, honestly, on yeah, follow me on Twitter if you don't already. OG the Clamp God. Um, yeah, if you if you like lots of roasts to opposing fan bases and the occasional good basketball take, I'm your guy. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for listening to the very first episode of our Holla Takes podcast. I'm your host Namir. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter as well at Alam Namir A L A M N A M I R. And don't forget to follow our guest OG the Clamp God at O G C L A M P G O D. I have to spell that out for some of you guys because I know uh, some of you guys didn't pass your grade ten literacy test. So just looking out for some of y'all. Um, yeah, Jeez, don't man. forget to subscribe <laughs> if this episode's on YouTube. Uh, it will probably be on Spotify because that's probably probably going to be listening to this episode. And yeah, follow us on Twitter at Hall of Takes because we are going to be posting a lot of content there. And thank you so much for joining us for the first episode. And we'll catch you next time. <laughs>